I think fighting too hard against your nature can be exhausting, but I also think it's important to explore both sides. So even the most hardcore introverts, we know that they will benefit from social interaction, right? From having a loving partner or having close friends. That is not limited to extroverts. Introverts definitely need that and they want that, even if they think they don't. Research says that actually they really do like it. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today's conversation has been a long time coming because we have talked about this subject a lot without covering it in depth. And it's this idea of how do introverts make adult friendships? So today's guest is Jessica Pan. She's a journalist and an author of the book, Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Wanna Come, and a self-proclaimed introvert. So we jumped in with her and learned so much about how she, she had a year, it was like the year of yes, Shonda Rhimes style, where she was like, for a year, I'm going to try to be more extroverted. And so in this interview, we dive into that and she gives a lot of tangible tips. If you're in the position where you want to start to engage with more people, make more friends, speak up at work more, she has some really valuable tips. Jessica, we are really excited for this one after looking through your book and hearing you on other podcasts. We want to really dive into introversion and it goes without saying, but we also want to say right away, there's nothing wrong with being an introvert, but it was your experience that you had a time in your life that you felt really lonely and that was a turning point for you. And it kind of led you into writing your book. So we want to know what started you on your quest to be more extroverted. Well, I think you're totally right. There's nothing wrong with being an introvert. I am still a self-defined hardcore introvert for sure. So I don't I do want to put that up front. Uh, I think what started me on this journey was that I was in my early 30s. I'd gone freelance, so I was working from home. I live in London, which is a big city and it's kind of an unfriendly city. And I don't know, I just felt very very lonely because I think that's a time in your life when you and your friends past sort of can diverge where people are getting married and having kids and they're moving out of a big city. And you also just feel sort of like you need to grow up and get a hold of your career. And, and I don't know, I think it's, it's sort of a moment of self-reflection. When I discovered what an introvert was, I felt so relieved because I just sort of thought that I was strange. Oh, I had no idea that every, I think that a third of people are introverts. I thought that I was just strange. So when I read that there are people who don't love like big crowds and loud concerts and things like that, I felt so relieved. But I started to use that label of introvert as this excuse to just say no to anything. I was like, I'm not going to do public speaking. I'm an introvert. I'm not going to host a party. I'm not going to like make a ton of new friends. I'm an introvert. And it became this sort of crutch. And I felt that actually I was limiting my life by leaning so hard into this that I actually was probably far past introvert. I was into social anxiety. And that's why I decided to spend this year 
doing all these things that I've always never wanted to do, like public speaking and improv comedy and going on friend dates and hosting a dinner party, um, all these things that I would say are pretty big extrovert activities because I wanted to see how the other half or third lives. And I thought, you know, I could try to survive a year and see what happens. That's so interesting because all those things you just rattled off, the true introverts in our community are probably thinking, me, public speak, me go on a friend date with someone I don't know. I, I can't possibly imagine doing that. But we are going to get into that and how you can slowly but surely step into not going completely extroverted, but just being able to not be so lonely. So if it is just like in your situation, something that was you know, stopping you from living the life that you wanted to live. Let's figure out how to do that. We do want to dive into the definition of introversion versus extroversion. And you even mentioned something there with social anxiety. And I like how you talk about it on this spectrum. So these traits aren't just you are an extrovert, you are an extrovert. So can you explain this a little bit more to our audience? Yeah, sure. I think the easiest way to understand the difference between introverts is extroverts is imagine going into a party full of people and you spend three hours there talking to loads of different people. And when you leave, do you feel really energized and awake or do you feel completely drained and really tired? And extroverts will leave being energized and introverts will feel drained. And so the the real definition of being an introvert is that you need to be alone to recharge um, extroverts sort of they vibe off of the energy of other people and they 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 love that. That's the main definition. But um, there have been so many more studies about what other things come with being an introvert or an extrovert. So introverts in general, they don't really like small talk compared to like one-on-one -on -one deep talk. So most introverts don't like like little chit-chat in, in in situations where it's just sort of like really boring. They want more in-depth conversations. They don't want to talk to like 30 people at a party, maybe they'd rather talk to three. I actually read this quote by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the composer, Broadway genius. And he said that he and his wife will go to a party and she'll have three conversations for about 45 minutes each with different people. And he'll have five minute conversations with every single person at the party. And they'll both leave like super happy because they sort of did, they were like answering to whether they were an introvert or an extrovert. So those, that's the main difference I'd say. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm almost redefining myself. I think I am an introvert, but I think that I am not shy. And so it really helps because I can definitely engage and, and talk to different people. So I want to know, is there a difference between being shy and being introverted? Yes, definitely. And I think that is a big Thing that bothers a lot of people when you talk about introverts and they a lot of them say well i'm not shy like i can do public speaking i still like being alone though and so it just most introverts are shy studies have shown that but there are definitely introverts who aren't shy um, and i guess you're one of those and there are definitely extroverts who aren't loud so they will like i know this guy named peter and I thought he was an introvert because he was so quiet, but actually he loves being in a busy office. He always wants to go out. He loves being around people, but he himself comes off as quite quiet. So there's so many different levels. And like you said, it's a spectrum. So it's, yeah, you can be, you can be shy. You cannot be shy. You can be either introvert or extrovert. 
That's so interesting. And one thing that might go into it is nature versus nurture. So we want to know what does the research say about extroversion and introversion? Is it something that we're born with? Is it the way that we're raised? And can we change if we want to? I love that. It's it's a huge question. Um, so my book goes way more in depth into this. And I'm just going to sort of touch on the surface level, but I think it's generally accepted that you're born that way because it's, well, just, it just is. <laughs> um, so if you're born to a family of introverts or extroverts and it can be quite hard to change it, but we go through phases in our life where I think in our twenties, we're more extroverted then we become more introverted. Then we go extroverted again. It sort of is this we're always changing and fluctuating. And there is actually a lot of research that says we can become more extroverted or introverted based off of what we do. So it, it, like all research sort of can contradict itself. So there's research that says, you know, your personality is formed at 30. Then there's other research by Brian Little that says, no, actually, like if you can completely change certain aspects of yourself by doing different things, like what I found so powerful in my year of living this way was that I did things that I never, ever thought I could. Like I talked to strangers in London on the underground. I performed at the moth like live in front of like 2000 people. It was recorded like so many terrifying things. I was the kind of person who, if I had to give a presentation in like a classroom of 30 people, I would fake sick. Like I wouldn't, I like, that was me. I would never do that at work. And so Brian Little says that by doing these things, we can change who we are. And I think that is kind of a really great, it's just so empowering to think about that you don't have to be sort of chained to your anxieties for the rest of your life. Yeah, because some people listening right now might be thinking that they, they just feel chained. And some people might be living in it and they're like, you know what, I'm actually okay with this. I, I like being an introvert. It's, it's an okay thing for me. But I'm also curious, is there anything that can affect our mental health when it comes to introversion versus extroversion? Does it differ? Does it feel the same? I'm really curious about this. Well, I love this quote by Carl Hume, which is, there's no such thing as a pure introvert or extrovert. Such a person would be in the lunatic asylum. So like, mm. you know, a pure introvert is someone who like never leaves their home. That's not healthy. A pure extrovert who's always out and about, that's not healthy either. And I think that I, well, I think that, it, yeah, it's very tricky. I think fighting too hard against your nature can be exhausting, but I also think it's important to explore both sides. So even the most hardcore introverts, we know that they will benefit from social interaction, right? From having a loving partner or having close friends. That is not limited to extroverts. Introverts definitely need that and they want that, even if they think they don't. Research says that actually they really do like it. I also think that there is, I think this is related to mental health, where in the workplace, extroverts do better because just by their nature, they are recognized more. They get more promotions because they're seen more. Like it's not that they're doing more work, but they're talking about it more and they're talking about it louder. And people tend to believe like the loudest voice in the room, even though there's definitely research that says that introverts actually make better leaders because they're not as rash. You know, in a brainstorming session, I hate those in a group of like, 10 people or 30 people, you have to like yell your idea. I absolutely hate those. And research shows actually that those are not nearly as effective if you have an idea and everyone goes away for a few hours, comes up with their own ideas and then presents it to the group. That is far less stressful and that the creativity like rises by 20%. So I think it's, yeah, you can feel behind as an introvert at work sometimes, I think. 
Yeah, Colin, my husband, he is an, an introvert. So I would is a true introvert where he's like 100% wants to stay at home, but in his job, he is in sales. So he needs to be more vocal. He's presenting in front of people. He's around individuals, large groups all the time. He has to go to social gatherings. And when he comes home from those conferences or those trips, he just like sits on the couch and he just needs to peace out for a long time. <laughs> and I see it in him I'm like, okay, it's, it's not him wanting to get away from our family. It's him having spent all of his energy in this work setting when he really would have just rather been in a smaller group or having a one-on-one -on -one conversation or even just by himself. So it's interesting how it can just affect so many parts of us, including our family life, when you're trying to be somebody you're not at work or somebody you're not naturally at work. Yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting that so many people do end up in jobs that aren't necessarily suited to their personality type. And it's important to do that, I think, to push yourself. But I also think there is definitely something in, in, in also pursuing something that is more just suits you better, I think. I left a busy office because I I just work better alone, work better from home. I prefer that. Like a busy office sort of, I find people interrupting me all the time, really annoying. And I get, I feel like I'm more creative by myself. Yeah. So it's really about finding that balance. Let's pause this episode to bring up our partner, Element. So Element is one of those products that we would still use every day, even if they didn't sponsor our show. In fact, Amy and I had been drinking Element for a long time, so when they approached us about a sponsorship, it was an easy yes. And we love it because every single pack delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes. So maybe you're working out, maybe you're in a sauna, maybe you're just running errands and you're sweating a little bit. Having electrolytes in your system is so important to look and feel your best. and Element does it without any added sugar or any artificial colors. I like to have an Element mid-morning. It's kind of like a sweet treat without any of the added sugar. I also will always have one during a workout or if I'm in our home sauna. And know that Element is totally risk-free. So if you try it and you don't like it, just give those packs to a salty friend and they're going to return your money no questions asked. Their customer service team is actually incredible. And so if you ever have any complaints, just ask them about it and they're going to make it right. You can head to drinklmnt.com slash herself. And that special offer is going to be eight single serving packets for free with any element purchase. Again, that's drink, D-R-I-N-K, lmnt.com backslash herself to get eight single serving packets for free with your order. We can't wait to see what flavors you go with. Our personal favorites are the citrus flavors, but we can't wait to see what you love. Okay, back to our show. It's really interesting, though, because what we found out during the pandemic is when people were alone and more isolated and not seeing their friends as much, it really did negatively impact mental health. And what we hear from our own community, which is made up of amazing, busy women, they use introversion like it's easy for you and Abby to say that you can make friends because you guys are extroverted. And they use introversion as like the shield of like why they can't go out and make friends, even though that's their desire. They're desiring to open up their village. So I want to go back to when you started your journey, because obviously in the beginning, you were probably uncomfortable with many things that you were doing. How could you coach someone that is right there in the beginning, knowing that they want to take those first steps to trying to expand themselves? Well, I have to say that I am one of those women, or I was one of those women. That is exactly what I was. I, you know, I wanted close friends. Like my close friends in college, we were all spread out in different parts of the country or different countries. You know, I live abroad. Like I'd lost so many of my friends just 
due to sheer distance. So you, you, you find yourself in this position where you feel like you'd be a great friend, but you don't have any friends around. And it's this embarrassing thing of saying, I want to make new friends. People find that so embarrassing, but it doesn't mean that you're not likable or that there's something wrong with you. It just means in this particular circumstance, you happen to live in a place where you don't have close friends. So that's exactly where I started from in, in the book, actually. Number one is that you have to be willing to be vulnerable. So in the book, I explore this thing of deep talk versus shallow talk. So shallow talk is, you know, talk about your commute, what you had for dinner last night, the weather, like light politics, sports, things like the TV shows. It's very light. It doesn't really bond you with someone. Whereas a deep talk is the talk of like your your insecurities, your dreams, your hopes, your fears, like what keeps you up at night, like what's driving you. And we can be, we can know people for years and not actually ever go into deep talk mm -hmm. with them. We can be with our siblings and never go into deep talk with them. We just simply know what they're eating for dinner and like what their job title is. And so research says that one of the best ways to form a new friendship is when you meet someone to reveal something a little bit vulnerable about yourself. Like, you know, I don't have that many friends, but I want to make friends or like, I hate going to these networking events or just, just things like that will really let you, they will signify to the other person that you're open and they'll feel like they want to bond with you too. So that's my first piece of advice is be vulnerable. Like it's it's so important. And number two is to make the first move. So if you are, I don't know, at like a parent group with other moms or something and you see a mom that you think is cool and you'd blend with quite well, or if you are at some, I don't know, professional networking event and you meet someone that you like and they're like, all right, well, I've got to go see you. Nice meeting, like, nice chatting with you. I think it's so important to just be like, hey, like, can we get, can I get your number? Can I get your Instagram handle? Like, let's have coffee. Let's have a drink because research shows that most people want to do that with you as well. And if they don't want to, then they, they'll they say no, or they'll ignore you. Like you'll find out later, but the benefits far outweigh the disadvantages. Like you could make your new best friend that way. And the third piece of advice would be that if you do go for that drink or that coffee afterwards, ask them out again. Like you have to, people are busy um, they don't know if you like them. They're thinking about other things, but I think you should pursue friendships that you think feel legitimate and genuine. And you really have nothing to lose. If someone blows you off or is rude to you, or they're just too busy, that's fine. And now, you know, or, but usually it's just, usually that's not the case. I just wanted to comment quick before the next question. That happens to everyone. That's happened to me at a play date before, you know, like I'm trying to engage with this woman and she just was not not interested and that's okay <laughs> that does not mean anything about you usually you know so i just think like knowing that no matter what you're going to be okay even if you went for it and it wasn't reciprocated but i also think if you if you like try to chat with someone in that situation and they don't want to engage with you then you don't really they don't have space for you in their lives or they don't like you and why would you want to be friends with anyone like that anyway like at least you know like i wouldn't i wouldn't walk away from that feeling like oh i lost something i think oh i gained something i tried and now i know that i actually that woman or that man is not for me to be friends with like you you walk away sort of empowered i think when it makes the friendships that you do find feel so much more meaningful because you know that that one wasn't meant for you. And yeah, I, I like what you said there with those three steps. So even just take one of them right now and see if you can pull it into your life. I really like the idea of taking the first step and then taking the second step because I think a lot of people in our audience right now, they're like, I want someone else to make that first step. I don't know if I should be the one to make that first step. But if you make that first step, 
you guys, there are people in our DMs every single week that are saying, we want more friends. I want more friends. So I know there's people out there that also want to be your friend. So throughout the book, I interview psychologists and other mentors to sort of guide me through these adventures. And one of them was this amazing psychologist named Nicholas Epley. And I was telling him about how I live in London. It's unfriendly. You know, I walk around the streets. Nobody smiles. How was I supposed to make friends here? And he sort of kind of gave me a talking to. And he said, so you're walking around on the streets of London. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, are you smiling at anybody? And I said, no. And he's like, so why do you think someone will smile at you? You're not smiling at anybody. And then he said this quote that I always think about every day. And he says, nobody waves, but everybody waves back. And it's so true. If you're somewhere and you just wave to someone, they're going to wave back. And it's it's this thing where everyone's so afraid to make that first move of, of waving back or saying hi first. But if you do it, 99% of people will smile back. They'll wave back. They'll say hi back. And it's the same thing with making friends. Most people are terrified of that first moment, but that's really the only scary moment. And once someone waves back, you're sort of like, you're going, you're in the flow. It's fine. I'm the person that will awkwardly wave and awkwardly smile at people. And it's almost like, like I'm the weird one, because even though everyone likes to have that smile, I'm almost the weird one because I'm the one who does that. But so are you an extrovert then? I, yeah. Can I clarify though for her? <laughs> she thinks she knows the person. So it's a very intense wave and smile because like she has in her mind that she knows everyone in the whole world. And so I think the person feels overwhelmed. Like they're like, oh my gosh, I don't recognize her. And they feel bad. That's only happened six times a year. Times. Six, six, six times a week, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, it makes life more fun, right? Yeah, I would identify as an extrovert. I do think that as a mother, especially as a mom of three, I do find times where I need to be completely alone, like no music, no human beings at all. But overall, I definitely identify as an extrovert. Yeah, that's just being a human. Like, of course, extroverts need time alone. Of course, they need like time to decompress. Yeah, definitely. And let's pause this episode to bring up our podcast partner, Thorn Supplements. As you know, at this point, Amy and I love health and wellness. It's something that is so close to our heart, and we are always working to figure out what's going to work best for our body. And both Amy and I, we use Thorn. So a small story here. I had been using a different vitamin D drop for about two years, and I kept on getting retested and kept getting retested, and my body was not absorbing the vitamin D. I ended up switching to a new doctor in this process, and he recommended the Thorn products. And just a few drops under my tongue of a liquid vitamin D through Thorn, and my body started absorbing them. At the very next appointment a few months later, I was in the normal range. So from that point on, I switched to many of the Thorn products because I know that they have an unparalleled commitment to quality throughout the entire manufacturing process. And right now, if you go to Thorn, that's T-H-O-R-N-E dot com slash U slash herself, you can earn 20% off your nutritional supplement purchases. Again, that's thorn.com slash the letter U slash herself to see the nutritional supplements that both Amy and I take and recommend.
Let's take a quick break from our brand new partner, Magic Spoon. When I first started my gluten-free journey, I asked for ideas on snacks and breakfast items, and Magic Spoon came in over and over again. It's great for a variety of lifestyles. Maybe you are gluten-free like I am, or you're going soy-free. You're looking to add more protein, trying to cut back on sugar. It really does a little bit of everything. And what I love is the variety pack, because I have three kids. There's no way they're all going to like the same flavor. So the four flavors are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, and every one of them has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients and no artificial dyes, so you can feel really good about the food that you're eating and that your kids are eating. So because it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, it's also great for all of you allergy parents out there. So if you go to magicspoon.com slash herself, you can grab that variety pack and try it today. Just make sure to use our promo code herself at checkout and it saves you $5 off your order. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash herself or just use herself at checkout to save that $5. What's great about Magic Spoon is that they're so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Again, magicspoon.com slash herself. Now back to our show. Okay, so when you were talking about the three steps, that very first one was engaging in deep talk. And you mentioned right away at the beginning when you meet somebody, be vulnerable. Have that have that difficult conversation, which I know that can sound scary. But even if it's, hey, I'm not used to making friends or, hey, I haven't done this before, that can open up a conversation. So beyond just that initial conversation when you're getting vulnerable, are you instructing people to continue those deep conversations, have it be part of every conversation, maybe just let some of those surface level conversations be part of it? And then also, how does it relate to our happiness? I think that you have to be the judge of the moment. Obviously, like I'm not going to tell my accountant that my really bad period pains. Like I'm just not going to. Like I'm not going to, you're going to like hold back for certain things. But I think you'll know in the right situation whether you can share these things. And yeah, I think it's important when you're getting to know someone. It's probably actually more awkward in the initial conversation to be that vulnerable. But I think once you get to a certain level, you can share real things because it's not satisfying to sit with someone and just talk about, I don't know, just really surface level things. Like after about five minutes, it gets kind of boring and you don't feel like that you know them. And I think that's the whole point of the human interaction is to feel connection. And you don't feel connected And I think that's a huge part of our happiness. Like there's so many studies that say that interactions with people that are positive are like the number one thing that make us happy, introvert or extrovert. You know, there are, this is a little bit different than deep talk, but well, actually not really. So Nicholas Epley also did these other experiments where he would have strangers in Chicago, they would have to fill out a survey and say if they thought talking to a stranger on their commute would be awkward and how awkward would it be? And then they made them do it and they had to report back. And I think almost all of them said it wasn't that awkward, actually. And they all thought it was going to be super awkward. And they even had them say, then they did this experiment again and they had them ask really vulnerable questions. I think the questions were things with a stranger. One of the questions was, when was the last time you cried in front of someone else? Which is like a very vulnerable question. And all the participants thought, oh God, this is going to be so awkward And it wasn't. It was not as awkward as they thought it would be. And it just shows you that, I mean, we're all human. We all have like things going on in our lives that nobody can see below the surface. And if you can see that in someone else, that just makes you feel less alone in the world. Yeah, I've said this before, but my take is like 
a lot of people also just need to be listened to. Like if you open up a conversation, you lead with vulnerability and then that person opens up too. If you just listen, it you won't you can't imagine what fast connections that you can form with someone because you're not staying at that surface level talk. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I heard you on a podcast and you said, I think we overestimate how judgmental people will be and we underestimate how kind people will be. So we've kind of talked about this during the interview already, but I think a lot of times we're just in our heads. We're thinking like, is she going to like me? Am I wearing the right thing? Like whatever you're thinking and it really stops you from making that initial talk to a stranger. So do you have any other advice for someone that really gets in their head before they meet someone? I think that if you if you have that fear, you should just look at the empirical evidence of research, which shows so many studies where people are not as judgmental as you think they're going to be. You know, like there's this thing called pluralistic ignorance. So if you're sitting next to maybe maybe another mom or another woman, and you really want to talk to her, but you're like, I don't want to bother her. I don't want to bother her. But like, I really like to talk to someone in this, whatever situation you're in. I don't know. You're like a busy airport. You're waiting, doing nothing, or I don't know, some play group or something. It's very likely that she's sitting next to you thinking the same thing. Like, oh, I'd really love to talk to her, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. And like, this is a proven phenomenon that happens where this happens again and again, where you just think, oh, I don't want to bother them. They don't want to talk to me, but they do want to talk to you. The research says that normally they do. Of course, not everybody wants to talk to you. Of course, there are certain people who will never want to talk to you. And there are days when you're so stressed and you're so upset that you don't want to talk to someone. But overall, you'll usually get that vibe. You know, you'll know. Just from my own research of like going on the streets of London, I did really embarrassing things. Like I talked to a psychologist because I had this huge social anxiety about talking to strangers. Like, I hate doing it. I hated it. Um, I would never talk to a stranger. As in, like, even if I was on, like, the subway or something, and someone's backpack was open, and I wanted to be like, your backpack's open, like, something nice, I would feel so awkward about it. Like, I was bothering them or something. It was, like, so in my head. And so he sort of prescribed that I would need to get over this by asking strangers really embarrassing questions so that I would continually humiliate myself. And then I'd realize that nothing bad happened to me. Like I didn't go to jail. I didn't lose my job. My husband didn't leave me. You know, I wasn't like deported. And so I had to go around London, like asking people really embarrassing questions. And it was absolute hell, but nobody was mean to me. Nobody was mean to me. Everybody was like a little bit like, okay, whatever. But, um, and I just sort of walked away from that being like, oh my God, like I felt so exhilarated, like completely free of this fear. And now I do not have any fear of talking to strangers, like at all. Like it's not an issue for me at all. Like, of course, like a scary stranger, like you don't want to talk to in a dark alley. But I mean, like, it's just not there anymore, that anxiety. And it took me, it wasn't like that day that cured me, but it was like the beginning step that did cure me. I love that example because it's like it, could be scary the first couple times, but you're kind of training yourself by doing it over and over again and doing it when you are scared. It reminds me of public speaking. Like, of course you're scared at first and then you start to build the skills, but I also think build the resilience to be able to do what you want to do, whether that is going up to new people or starting to speak more or talk more at work or whatever you're trying to do. Exactly. And I think that even if you fail, 
like with public speaking, like nothing bad really happens. Like, unless you're like the most famous person in the world, like it's going to be fine. Like if your speech is a little bit boring or if you forget a bit of it, like it's actually going to be okay. And I think having that happen to you and surviving it is a really powerful lesson. And that's where it's nice with, especially with public speaking and also with meeting new friends, usually it's not speaking in front of 3000 people the very, very first time. So you can kind of ease your way in a little bit. Same thing with the friendships. But Jessica, I think throughout this entire conversation, our audience right now, they're getting more used to the idea of, okay, maybe I should open up. Maybe I should ask some deeper questions. Maybe I should get a little bit more vulnerable, but they're also wondering, okay, where do I find these people? And I know that you've mentioned using a friend dating app. So could you let them know about that one? Yeah. So Bumble, which is a dating app, they have a friend version, I think on the same app. So you can pick platonic friends. I think you'd only find platonic friends of the same sex at the moment. So like I couldn't go find like a man to be platonic because I think that's just too confusing for the app and for everybody. Yeah. So I, cause I'm married but I would, but it works just like the app. So you get like a feed of women who want to make friends as well. And you message each other and it's very nerve wracking. But if they're on the app and they're looking for friends, like, you know, it's a safe space. I also think just like dating, like it can be scary and you will have mismatches. You will definitely meet people that you're like, nah, not for me or well, I'm not for them. But um, I don't know, go on five and see what happens. I think you, if you went on five, you probably meet someone you actually did like. That's one way. That's like the really hardcore way to go, I think. I think another great way is to take a class. So I did improv and I did comedy. And I think these are really great ones because they're really scary. And so you bond <laughs> through the trauma of being scared. Whereas I don't think you'd bond as much in say like a Spanish class because there's no stakes. Um, but I also think you could probably bond in like a running group or a rock climbing group or something like that. Like join a group. And I would say join it alone. Don't go with a friend because you'll just stick with your friend or you'll you'll both be too, people will be intimidated by your friendship. They won't say hi. Like I like to do these things alone because it means I have to interact with people. And before I go, I tell myself, you have to talk to three people for five minutes. Like you have to. So even if just like, hey, where's the bathroom? But then like, then be like, but I like your coat, like something like that. You can like do those cheats if you have to. I'm not saying go in a deep talk immediately. Like I would say definitely start with the, the shallow surface talk. And then, you know, I wouldn't lead with like a really traumatic thing that happened to you in that moment. Um, and also when you go to these groups, go early. Do not be like me in my book title. Sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come because if you show up late, everybody's already in these little circles even if they've just met you, you walk in feeling like, well, they already have their friends. Like they already have these clicks. Like I'm no, I don't belong here. Even though that's not true, that's the feeling you get. But if you show up first, you can talk to the host or the teacher. And then it's when people appear, it's like, you're the one that looks like you have all your friends. Cause maybe the host will introduce you to the people or that's one of my main tips. Yeah. I would just throw in quick Anywhere that you are going to be repetitively, I think it's a great chance to try to open up to other people. So Abby and I, our sons play Saturday morning basketball, same time every week, usually the same people. We don't usually sit by each other because it's an opportunity to talk to people that we don't know. And so I met two awesome women last week and hopefully I'll see them again this week and maybe I can take it a step further at that time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I want to know this big year you had of pushing yourself to be more extroverted mm -hmm. to help with your loneliness. 
what was your biggest takeaway from that year? I would say the biggest takeaway from the year was that you can do things that you didn't think you could do. So I'm not exaggerating or lying by saying I couldn't talk to strangers. I would never public go do a public speaking gig. I hated the idea of hosting because I was so self-conscious of like my food and what my house would look like or things like that. I just felt so scared of these things. And now they don't scare me at all. And I think that I like to lean into that research from Brian Little that says, you know, you can you can kind of remake these aspects of your personality that you want to change. And of course, I don't want to change my personality totally. I'm still an introvert. That's never going to change. I'm still going to like reading and quiet places and one-on-one conversations as opposed to like big, big parties. That's, that's never going to change. But now I know if I need to give a speech, if I need to make a friend in a weird situation, I totally can. And I think that has been the biggest lesson is that I can do these things. And if I had a second one, it would be that other thing that people are way nicer than you think they're going to be. And if someone is rude to you, then it's like, I don't know, they're a bad person. Like you don't want them in your life, you know? Like That's on them. That's on them. That's, <laughs> that's on, on them. That's a them problem, not a you problem. Jessica, when you were saying your first answer, it reminded me of Amy's response when we did our confidence episode just a few weeks ago on do it scared and then keep on doing it. And I think that's just a really good rule and lesson to be learned in the confidence of building friendship, especially as building friendships as an introvert. So this entire conversation, it has just been so fun. It's been so interesting. And if our community wants to track you down, maybe grab your book or learn more from you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram with Jesse, Jesse with a Y, Pan Pan. Um, and I also have a Substack newsletter where I sort of write about what happened next, um, like this sort of the sequel to the book. And also I work part-time in this like tiny indie bookshop in London with like quirky characters where I sort of try to live like I'm a character and you got mail. That's all in the newsletter. It's called, it'll be fun. They said, if you just Google just pan and Substack newsletter, like it'll come up. Yeah. And that's where I sort of regularly write and it can appear in your inbox and it's free. So that would be the two best places I'd say. Perfect. We'll make sure to include those in the show notes. And thank you again so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for all those resources and just make sure you're following them because yes, I wish I had this type of information earlier in my motherhood journey, earlier in life. I just think it would have been so helpful. And if there's something from today's episode that you know hit home, something that you know others should know about, share it into your story, either with the link or with a photo, get creative. We love seeing your shares and make sure to tag Herself Podcast and our guests so that we can reshare it into stories. Thanks again for being here, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.